You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Billions of dollars are on the line for Qualcomm at a trial in California where the FTC is challenging its business model. An attempt by Qualcomm's lawyers to score some points by making an example of its rival Intel ended up being a lively showdown that backfired. Here to tell us more is Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst Jennifer Ray. First, Jen, why is the FTC taking Qualcomm to court? Well, you know, June, it really is a pretty complicated matter, but to try to make it as simple as I possibly can, what they're alleging is that Qualcomm is unlawfully maintaining a monopoly in certain kinds of chips that are needed in all wireless devices like iPads, iPhones, Android phones, that they have engaged in a series of practices, business practices that are interrelated to each other that have weakened their rivals and allowed them to maintain a monopoly they have in chips, which was obtained really through, you know, being a leader in technology. So what's Qualcomm's defense? Well, first, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty, first they're challenging each of these practices that the FTC has alleged is anti-competitive, right? And there, there are several different practices. And what they're saying here is that they're illegally using a monopoly position. And in the antitrust world, what the FTC has to do is show that the anti-competitive or harmful effects from this conduct outweigh any kind of legitimate pro-competitive business reasons there could be for the conduct. So of course what Qualcomm is doing is walking through these, these various business practices and explaining the reason for the practice and why it was legitimate and why they needed to undertake it. Because if they can show that they had this legitimate reason and that it outweighs this alleged harm Harm, which it's even questionable whether there is harm, the FTC may have trouble getting to a place where the judge says they've actually violated antitrust laws, even if the practices seem superficially unfair. Now, you were in the courtroom when Qualcomm called Intel's chief strategy officer, hoping to make some gains there. Tell us what happened. Right. Well, you know, the FTC called Intel's strategy officer because obviously Intel is a rival to Qualcomm. They also make chips that go into to these wireless devices. And part of their allegation is that Qualcomm's practices weakened its rivals and, and therefore harmed competition. And I think they were using this witness to show that some of the things Qualcomm had done had weakened Intel and slowed down Intel's rate of innovation that might have benefited consumers. This woman, who was very impressive, actually, who is now a senior vice president and strategy officer at Intel, had been a general manager in charge of sort of this wireless and data initiative of Intel. 
And it, and it was funny because she did a, a really very good job testifying for FTC. So it was when the Qualcomm outside lawyers tried to do what's called impeach her, make her look like she had documents or previous testimony that contradicted what she's saying now on the stand. And, you know, they used kind of typical lawyer tactics, sort of reading snippets out of context. And she just didn't let them do it. You know, she was really tough, but in a non-aggressive way. And what she did is say, absolutely not. You can't read that out of context. You have to read the whole thing. And she would read into the record the entire paragraph preceding and after this snippet and kind of just overwhelm the Qualcomm outside attorney in doing so. So you know, she was a good witness for the FTC. And we know how hard it is to do on yes. cross-examination to take control that way. Right. But I understand also that when she left, there was <laughs> laughter in the courtroom. You know, I think it was because you know, she was from Senegal and had a thick French accent and was, I think, culturally very different on the stand than some of the other people who'd been on the stand before her who were Americans and was really kind of, you know, I don't even know, charming really, and, and laughed and engaged with the judge. And I think at the end, there were several things she said that were just very funny. And um, she was really guileless. And I think the, the guilelessness of her testimony kind of charmed those that were watching. And at the end, when asked, both sides were asked, would they have to recall this witness? And both sides said, no, she was finished. And the judge told her she was finished. She started cheering from the stand. <laughs> and it was funny. And I think that caused you know the full courtroom, including the press that was there, to laugh a little bit. Well, it's great to have, you know, a change because right. sometimes the testimony goes on and yes. on and gets very dull. And, and this is a very technical trial. So, you know, there are aspects of it that are really in the weeds and really technical and, to be honest, you know, kind of boring. And so this sort of changed the flow and the rhythm. You say boring in an <laughs> antitrust case? I never thought I'd hear never. from you, Jen. <laughs> so it, does it appear that either side is ahead in this trial so far? Well, I will say going into trial, certainly the FTC had the momentum. There have been some pretrial rulings by the judge that have consistently been against Qualcomm and for the FTC. So going in, they had the momentum with this judge. All we've seen so far is the FTC's side. Qualcomm will start this week presenting its own affirmative case. So because of that, it seems like the FTC has the lead, and I believe it does mostly because of what happened pre-trial. But we'll have to see by February 28th when this will be finished, you know, where things stand. Now, there's a global web of litigation mm -hmm. between Apple and Qualcomm, which I won't ask you to describe because <laughs> it's, it's so too complex. But will a decision in this case affect that litigation in any way? You know, it will. Overall, what's being contended in both are unreasonably high royalty rates that Qualcomm is charging for its patents, both standard essential patents, everybody must have them in order to implement the wireless standard, and non-essential patents. That's what's at issue here in the FTC case, and that's generally what's at issue in Apple's lawsuits. And to the extent that Qualcomm loses here in the FTC suit, and the, the judge decides that their business practices have allowed them to charge these unreasonably high royalty rates, really that puts Apple in a very strong position in terms of any kind of settlement discussions with Qualcomm in that suit. And I think Apple would probably prefer to settle that suit than to go through with the litigation. This is before a judge. Mm -hmm. Are most of these antitrust trials before judges? Because... I know that the Time Warner one was as well. Yeah, almost always. Now, particularly the merger cases like Time Warner are in front of a judge and not a jury. It's pretty complex, and the economic aspects are very complex. All right. Well, you made it easy for us, Jen, <laughs> as always. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Jennifer Ree. She's Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.
You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.